At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. Oh, man, I think we're live, AT. We're finally in. Uh, I can't believe it. It's like a mad panic to get this thing. For all the people that really actually do check in at 9 a.m., I hate you. Uh, it's so hard to get a show to start right at 9 a.m., but we do it mostly for Scott Hensley because that guy will tear into you if it's not happening. Nice, um, Hensley. Love that. And basically, you know, we're just we're just out here doing this so we don't get fined, I guess. Uh, but at random, <laughs> random yep. question for you: Do you floss on a daily basis? That's not a loaded question. It's an actual legitimate question. Do you uh, floss on a daily basis? Uh, no, I floss before I go to the dentist and try to make a sick recovery. <laughs> After not flossing, I floss before I go to the dentist, and then when the dentist flosses me again, and it's just a <laughs> it's a it's a raging blood job, and then I don't floss again until I have to go back to the dentist. I try to make a sick comeback, and I do it in the shower, and it's 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 really there's a lot of action in there. <laughs> So, so basically I've recently, for the last month, I bought those like pick things that you can buy. Yeah, floss swords. Yeah. Floss swords. <laughs> floss swords. Uh, and it's, I've been flossing every day for a month. It's, it's like a life changer. Do you use, do you use both ends? Do you use both ends? Uh, well, I have. Start with the toothpick part and then you evolve onto the handle. Well, there's nothing in my teeth that requires the toothpick part unless I, I'm like eating, I don't know, like swine. Yes, <laughs> I was just going to try to like, yeah, like a, a, a Reuben or something, you know, like I like or popcorn. I don't really need the pick side, but I, I do use and and I do use the double floss do you go twine in, one. Do you go inside with the toothpick part and poke out. That's a good move. Well, I ooh. I, I have not tried that, but again, I don't really typically get a ton of stuff in my teeth. I just, it's made a huge difference in my life. I don't know. I, I've been flossing for a month and I, 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 I've been polling people to see how many people actually floss every day. And for me, I mean, I'm a brusher every day. I think most people are brushers at least every other day. If, well, my, wife <laughs> daily. my wife, my wife flosses every single day. That's amazing. Uh, Does she do I, it with the actual twine? Like she rolls it out? Oh, yeah. She's old school, analog flosser. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, now that they have these new devices, I, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in uh, flossing now. So uh, buy those little. I actually, pickings. there was actually a report about, I don't know, six months ago, nine months ago, last summer, that said that flossing, the benefits of flossing was unsubstantiated. Of course, I used that to defend <laughs> the blood hole that my mouth doubles as when I actually do floss. Um, I don't bleed anymore though. That's the other part too. My, my mouth does not bleed when I floss because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, it's good. 
It's good. Wow. You built up. You built up gum uh, calluses. That's right. calloused gums. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, Carcaterre, Paul Carcaterre, our friend. Yes. A weapon. Friend. He's, he's, he's a weapon of the sport. <laughs> a yeah. great looking weapon, by the way. Yeah, a yeah. beautiful weapon. I mean, this guy is. is a good I love his, I love his car. His car feature when he has those guys in is my favorite. Well, that was a great segue, AT, because that's about what I, it's exactly what I was about to talk about, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know if you noticed, but do you know who we had on last, uh, or that I don't know when the show actually was, but last week. Do you know I would love, I would love to play dumb on this, uh, but Kark tipped me off. Oh morning, no! Oh, and no. Uh, so I actually did see it. Uh, I well, so to answer your question, yes, I know it was Lars. All right. Well, so Lars Tiffany is in the back of the seat, and Anishroff is on there as well with Kark. And Kark, really weird question by Kark. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't, I didn't really get the question, but he said Lars, and he's, you know, he's firing away a bunch of different questions. He's like Lars, if you could pick one lacrosse player, just one lacrosse player, who would it be? Now look, he didn't preface the question with your favorite lacrosse player, your the guy you'd want to coach, the guy you want with the ball at the last second, the guy you want to stop somebody. He simply, Kark simply said, pick one lacrosse player. And Lars Tiffany came, like there was zero hesitation, Andy. And he said, Andy Towers with a big smile and a wink. And I was just curious. I have no idea. What, what did you, was it like, what was Lars thinking when he picked you? What do you think? Well, Lars- how, how, he was probably thinking, how could I waste my pick as fast as possible? <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking. I think that I think that Clark's question actually trailed out at the end, which was pick one lacrosse player, and then the volume picked <laughs> off that got the least amount of sleep during his college career. And nobody heard that second part of the question, and that's why Lars fired that off so quickly. So quickly. And if that, yeah. So, so I, I think that pretty much sums up why Lars went with, went with me so quickly. But it was <laughs> it was very humbling, to say the least, even if the listening audience couldn't hear the trailer of uh, at the end of the question there. But that was uh, that was a huge compliment, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it was a great one. Uh, and I appreciate Clark tipping us off as well on that. He's uh, in the He's the man. If you don't get a chance, he does the relaxing. There was a little bit of a curse uh, on his relaxing uh, post. He did, uh, who was it? Rambo. He ended up having a tough first start of the season. Uh, He had, um, who else did he have? A bunch of guys getting hurt. Uh, So he ended up being the cover of the uh, Madden football game in terms of lacrosse for a little bit but i think he's made a recovery since then so it's good check I mean, he can, he can protect up. himself he can protect himself on the next feature and put you and i in the back seat we can't get any more rock bottom than we are <laughs> <laughs> that's right he should come up we we should we should make that happen we should do a relax car if you're listening right now we'll do a relaxing with you we'll, we'll really entertain you in the back of the car that's for sure you might have to, you might have, to, you might have to take a bike though because we're not we're kind of all a budget group Imagine, imagine uh, the three of us on a bike, <laughs> like the three, the three seats on a bike, and we're gonna be like, "No, nah, this is this is the new relaxing." Oh, uh, uh, we're gonna change it. could be pedaling us around Central Park, and we'll be in the back. That'd be a classic, a double seater, <laughs> three wheel bike. Uh, so AT came out with a new poll, and of yep. course, uh, 
Uh, it's getting harder and harder every week, I'm sure. I, I don't envy you at all. I'm very glad when um, you know Connor Wilson and the lacrosse all-star guys mentioned it. And actually, Terry Foy reached out to me and said, uh, or I reached out to him, and he was very like on top of it and said, yes, we'd love to have... Um, and I and I threw you kind of under the bus. I'm like, ah, Andy would love. That's to do all right. It. I'm over. I'm under there all the time. <laughs> oh, Andy would love to do it. Uh, I'm so, uh, constantly over there. You know what? I need those floss swords for all the rubber in my teeth from being under the bus. <laughs> uh, and so now he's got weekly work every Sunday night, and he's uh, and of course when Andy does work, he like puts like 16 hours into it. I just love seeing him sweat over. He's like, yeah, I gotta go, I gotta go, I got the pole to do, I gotta pull to do. It's like Saturday it night. Is, I'll tell you though, it is. He's gonna really do like four fun. versions of it. You do like five, six different versions of it before you're actually satisfied. I know it you. Consumes right? my Sunday. It used to be Golden Tea that used to knock me out of front runner for Father of the Year. Now it's a non-paid position in putting in the 23rd vote of the weekly media poll. So that's all right. I tell my family they're doing great to hang in there. Uh, so Penn State in your poll is number three and not number one. What right. is going on there? I don't really get it. Uh, well, it's pretty simple, Ryan. Um, I, I will say – they that. just beat Ohio State, who beat Denver, who was one number one at one yeah. point. Uh, there's a lot of tra- transitive property you can you can apply to that. Not yep. sure where uh, yep. where that's yep. going. Yep. Uh, listen, they made a major jump from the week before. You know, I had them, and I was steadfast that having not even played a top twenty team, how could we put them anywhere below, uh, you know, nine? Right, and so. They were going in at nine, but like you said, they not only beat Ohio State, and I had Ohio State in that game, and I thought Ohio State would beat them definitively. Same here. Same here. And they actually beat Ohio State the way that I thought Ohio State would beat them in a low score, kind of a blowout type game. Yes. And to Penn State's credit, they stepped up and they got it done. And they got it done even without Arcieri dominating their face-off acts. Withers did an awesome job, but you got to hand it to Jeff. You got to hand it to Toner. You got to hand it to the Penn State team for really stepping up at a great opportunity and getting what I think is the first data point of legitimacy to their season, beating not only a top 20 team, but a top five ranked team based on last week's poll. Uh, the I reason that. that I put them at three, even though everybody else on the planet had them at one, is quite simply due to their body of work. And even though this was a great win and they're undefeated, they still have only played one top 20 team in Ohio State, and to their credit, they beat them. Hofstra has played two top 20 teams, and they've beaten both of them, number 18, Carolina, and number 17, Princeton. Now, Carolina's win is starting to get diluted a little bit with the lack of success that they've had in the last four or five weeks. That's right. Um, but still, they have two top 20 wins uh, to Penn State's one top 20 win. Um, and then obviously Syracuse, to me, is absolutely number one with five top 20 wins, beating Virginia, Albany, JHU, Duke, and Notre Dame with their lone loss coming to Army. But again, they've played six top 20 teams. They've beaten five of them. To me, Syracuse's body of work absolutely puts them at number one, including this past weekend's uh, head-to-head win over Notre Dame, former number one in South Bend. So that explains why Penn State is ranked three in my poll 
but number one in everybody else's. <laughs> Hopkins, number- yep. Hopkins has got three losses ahead of and, and are ahead of Maryland and Albany. Uh, I, I would assume this is a standard approach for you in terms of body of work and who you've played, but justify Johns Hopkins with three losses ahead of Maryland and Albany. Well, it's easy. You know, Albany, while there's no question that each week they are very, very impressive, although I will say that they did struggle last Wednesday with Harvard, and that result was in doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, but still, they are blowing teams out by 10 goals for the most part, at least in the American East they are, and everybody else. We'll see what happens when they play Yale in a week or two, and they got to play Maryland next Wednesday, and I think that we're going to be – uh, I'm more familiar with who Albany truly is after they play two super high quality opponents in Yale and Maryland. But the reality is they haven't played, they haven't beaten any top 20 teams, none, right? They don't have any bad losses. Their only loss at eight and one is to Syracuse head to head. Okay. You've got Maryland two weeks ago. They hadn't played anybody, right? But now they have Two top 20 wins, one over number 18, North Carolina, and another over former number 19, Michigan. Two top 20 wins, but they still have a bad loss in Villanova, which fairly quickly is not going to be considered a bad loss anymore. Um, but but the answer to the question is Maryland has two top 20 wins yep. and a bad loss, right? Yep. Albany has no top 20 wins playing a very light schedule and one top 20 loss. Johns Hopkins has played six top 20 teams and beaten three of them. Right. right? Their body of work is better, period. So that's why that's right. I have Johns Hopkins ranked in my poll at seven, Maryland at nine, and Albany at 12. So uh, we're going to call out hypocrisy. Andy Towers, the hypocrite. Yep. You've got Yale. Below Princeton, despite Yale going into 1952 Stadium and slapping Princeton in the face, handing them a big loss, a big league loss uh, the other week. What's the deal with that? Well, to your credit, you called Yale winning outright. that game outright, and they did. And, and, and it's not surprising. Andy Shea just consistently gets it done, but against a very, very good Princeton team. Yes. Uh, it's as simple as this. Normally, you know, I put heavy, heavy weight on head-to-head games. And under that scenario, you're right. Yale should be ranked ahead of Princeton. But when you look at both teams' total body of work, right? Princeton has a big win, a quality win over number 13, Johns Hopkins. A no gray area, 17 to 8 pounding about a month ago, right? They have no bad losses, Princeton has three losses, but they've lost to number three Hofstra, number 10 Rutgers, and of course, number 20 Yale, right? You look at Yale's body of work, they've beaten Princeton head-to-head. That's their quality win. But still dragging Yale down are two bad losses. One really bad loss to Bryant, almost unforgivable based on the way Bryant's season is panning out, right? And then also a bad loss against UMass, which again, is playing much better. And I think at the end of the year, UMass might not be a bad loss anymore if they continue to do well. Uh, but at That's this right. point, the difference between the two teams are Princeton has no bad losses and Yale has two bad losses. So to me, that keeps Yale behind Princeton. And last, Michigan and Penn are both in your poll. How, how do you justify that? You know what? I, I kind of look at the last... There, there's about... 
five teams between Michigan, Penn, Loyola, Villanova, and Delaware as sort of the five teams that who wants it the least? Who wants to be in the top 20 the least <laughs> out of those teams, right? That's right. And out of those teams, you got to think that Villanova is probably playing the best. That's but, right. But when you look at their body of work, they have one big win over Maryland, right? Awesome. Probably right. the most prestigious win out of all of them. So in yeah. that sense, maybe they should be in the top 20 out of those. If, if you're taking two spots out of those five, you could argue that that could be them. But then you look at their bad losses – and they've lost to Monmouth and Delaware. Two bad losses. Right? That's right. Delaware has a great high-quality win over Rutgers. But they have four bad losses. Bucknell, Navy, Binghamton, and UMass. Right? That's so right. So, there's, so then you look at what's the difference between Loyola, Michigan, and Penn. Well, Loyola has a big win as well over Towson. But they have a bad loss. And to Bucknell last Wednesday, very recently. So as much as you kind of want to put Loyola in there and reward them because they have lost four games, but three of those have been to top 20 teams. So they played a very strong schedule, right? Stronger schedule than both Villanova and Delaware. Um, You know, so, so to me, that's the next team. But I settled on Michigan and Penn. Penn first. You know, Penn has a, a top 20 win in Virginia. Right. Granted, That's it was right. in 1972, it feels like. But the reality <laughs> it was a long time ago. They still have a top 20 win and they That's don't have right. bad loss. They played a really, really tough schedule. Penn's four and four, but their four losses have been to four ranked teams. Right. Michigan, yep. Penn State, Princeton and Yale. So with a high quality win, no bad losses in the toughest strength of schedule out of this entire group, they get the 20th spot. And then you go to Michigan. Michigan, of course, beat Penn head-to-head. That's why they're in there, mm-hmm. right? But that no exactly. longer counts as a big win based on last week's media poll, right? But they also have no losses, and they have two – their only losses have been to two top you know, 20 programs in Notre Dame and Maryland. So That's the right. most unproven product is probably Michigan out of this, seeing that they have no wins, but they also have no bad losses, and their only losses are to two top 20 teams and they beat Penn head-to-head. So those five teams are sort of interchangeable, although I think Delaware with four bad losses is clearly the lowest ranked out of them. So, But I settled on Michigan and then Penn at 19 and 18, or I'm sorry, at 19 and 20 quarter. That's justification. I, I like the justification. I mean, bottom line is, is if you put that much time as you do, uh, as AT does into these polls, uh, it's it's legitimate, and I and I can respect that. Uh, some of the other polls that we see out there are a little crazy. The one I, I like the they... best. The one I like the best was Blue Star Lacrosse. Uh, they they put together. They don't have a vote. Well, they, they should don't have a vote because they were spot on. Uh, I, uh, that's interesting, but they don't get a vote. The, if you if you ever look on Inside Lacrosse, you can see who votes. Uh, they do have a page there. Uh, you can click a link and you can see exactly who votes. Uh, some people still do not uh, publicly release their votes. Uh, others do. Uh, I, I do like that recently. Whomever started that, I appreciate it, uh, where people can be held accountable by publicly uh, releasing their votes. Uh, but here's the deal. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to give it to our guys from CSU. Uh, hold on tight, and we'll be right back. Hey. 
at Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu, talk, breathe, drink. But then you go to the other end of the spectrum, RD, and you got the toughest schedules, right? The right. men. The men. That's yes. what we'll call this group. <laughs> the proven commodity. Proven. Right? Proven, this not is, imposters. These guys, these guys are the guys sitting on top of the horse with the mustache finish, finishing off a brown-filtered Marlboro Red, right? At the top of the list, Johns Hopkins has played six top 20 teams. Six. That's six more than Penn State. <laughs> has played five top 20 teams that's five more than penn state <laughs> notre dame has played five top 20 teams that's five more than penn state du and north carolina have both played five top 20 teams again that's five more than penn state <laughs> right and then you've got the last group here and these guys are smoking a Marlboro 100, right? White filter. And that's teams that have played four top 20 teams. And that's Penn, Loyola, Virginia, Duke, and Towson. All of those respective 11 teams are proven commodities, right? They all have a win over a top 20 program and step up to the major league pitchers each week and take, and, and take it. And so you got to believe, though, that some of these imposters, if they win against top 20 teams, will legitimize themselves and uh, I will eat crow. But until that happens, I'm not I'm not. All right. So here's the deal. Can't believe it. But we have been hijacked. We have been hijacked on our show. And we've got a special guest, a co-host, who's going to finish off the rest of the show for us. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. Andy Shea has just joined us on In Your Face Lacks, completely hijacked it. Are your kids on the, on the ride to school right now? Are you on the <laughs> ride to school, elementary school right now, Andy Shea? Yes, I'm dropping Everly at school. Actually, I'm not. My wife, my wife, who's a big fan of the show, said I could... Take, my daughter <laughs> take the night school. take the day off Hi. Uh, that's the best well thank you so much andy shea for coming on the show uh head coach yale university one of the worst places in the world one of the worst schools in the world uh just a miserable miserable place uh their mascots miserable everything about it is miserable blue isn't a bad color thank god they're not brown that's for sure but uh uh so andy we got a couple questions for you obviously not going to keep you on that long and uh again thank you so much for coming on but obviously yale uh with a uh, an obvious struggle to begin of the season. Uh, Yale was obviously at the top of a lot of people's charts, and uh, you know you come in and uh, you don't start as strong as I'm sure you would like to. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about how uh, the start of the season has been for you, and then where you are now. Uh, certainly, I'm sure your car rides home from practice are a lot more comfortable uh, in the recent weeks than they were in the beginning of the season. Uh, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's funny, guys. We, we've 
felt that we had a lot of um, hype going into the year, and we, and, you know, internally, I think we felt like we were going to have some growing pains on defense, and you know, sure enough, that that did show itself uh, in the first couple games, um, and you know, the uh, the Bryant game, uh, we simply, I simply got out coached. Uh, I would say with the their their zone defense was uh, something we really couldn't replicate in practice, and you know they got you know how it is, man. They get a, you get a couple chips here and there, and then you you're you're down to just three or four more possessions left in the game, and then you guys start pressing, and you know it's just one of those days. So, uh, right, you know, and then UMass was was just you know, they outplayed us, and um, they they. Had a zone as well. I think we probably were much better uh, that day. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, I think that that's, like I said, we, we normally rely on being able to just shut teams down and let our offense develop. Um, and this year we didn't feel like we were going to be able to do that. Um, so we, we, we dropped a few games. And like I said, internally I think we, were, we felt we were fine. And we just try to tell our guys we just have to continue to get better. And we have to do things in practice that are going to get us better. Uh, and, you know, our guys are, you know, they've got a lot of faith and trust, and, and they did that. So right now I think we're, we're playing much better, but we still have – we can still do so many um, – we can do still so many things better uh, that, we, that, that we're going to need to do if we're going to, you know, continue this. Hey, Andy, uh, you, you seem to – uh, have a, a really tremendous ability to get your team on the right track. Whether whether you whether you guys start fast and continue to go fast, or whether you start slower, like you sort of did this year, and then you get back on track, you really seem to be able to do arguably the best job of, of anyone in terms of identifying what makes your players tick and ultimately bringing that together. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a template <laughs> that you use to identify problems in your team and go through it? You know, for instance, I, I think one of the greatest challenges for coaches is, is, is trying to figure out who you are who your team is each year. It yeah, seems like it, it seems like while you obviously recruit specific kids and, and, and all that sort of stuff, it seems like with each team being differently, with, with each team being different, you're still able to get whatever team you have back on the right track and seem to get the most out of them. It is, you know, how do you how do you go about identifying your your team's problems, whether it's intangibles you know, competitive spirit, uh, you know, uh, coachability, that sort of stuff, or or lack of positional success. What's your what's your template for figuring out what's wrong with your team and, and how do you correct those things? Uh, you know, I wish, yeah, I think I'd probably be a lot better coach if I could see these things coming, to be honest with you. You know, I think it, back <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, you know, we we lost – we beat Maryland in the, in the second game of the year, and then we, you know, um, we kind of coasted, I think, in terms of our work all the way to Cornell, who killed us, and then we lost to Princeton, and then it was just, um, 
you know, that Monday practice, it was, we, we joke around. It was like meltdown Monday. It was, you know, we, we just, I let the guys have it and challenged them because they weren't trying to get better. I think that, that what we try and do is just redirect our guys to try and get better. And it's so hard to, to continue to do that because these are college kids and they, uh, they will have a tendency to, you know, read their press clippings or, or, you know, think that they're better than they are. Um, and, you know, in, in our league, especially, um, you know, that, that the, you look at, uh, these types of kids, you know, they respond to grades, you know? So if you, if you beat a team, that's a really good team, that's an A, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, right. for, unfortunately those kids are going to take their foot off the gas if you're not careful. And, and, you know, I'm guilty of it too. So, um, I think that we've just been able to react when things have gone wrong, um, and and been able to kind of get our guys back directed at, at just getting better. Um, as cliche and stupid as it sounds, we we actually have a. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to formulate a list of, of drills that uh, really have nothing to do with game preparation, but for some reason they're just drills that get us better. We've got a million drills in our drill bank and, and I can you, challenge can you my assistants. Can you give us an example of one of those drills? Uh, well, we do. We, they're, they're all competition based, right? So, yep. but, you know, you're going into a big game and you're like, listen, we got to put the plan in. Um, you know, and back says it all the time. He's like, we got to do eight possessions and eight possessions is a, is a, is six on six, one side, but it's, it's the defense has to get, um, the, 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 five stops. Yeah, five to five to three uh, is yep. the is the ratio there. Um, but it's 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 a uh, it's an incubator for trash talking and yep. I mean, <laughs> it, right. they with, they go on either side of the field. So their bench is on on the far side of the of the sideline, and the and so the D bench is on one side, and the O bench is on the other. Uh, some there's some guys like Jason Alessio would get. You know, he'll have to defect halfway through the uh, halfway through the drill. <laughs> right, but it, right. I mean, the temperature gets turned up and the guys get after each other. Um, it's a really good marker. If, say you've got a really good offensive team. You know, if you can hold them to th- maybe three or even two, uh, then, you know, that's obviously an incredible uh, accomplishment. Um, our offense this year has been has got the better of the defense a lot of the time. When years past, it's always been the defense. Sometimes they'd shut us out, you know. Wow. Um, do you have to this, clear it if the defense gets a stop? Yeah, do they have to clear it? Yes. Yeah, they got to clear it. So the clear is not. It's not hard. I mean, one minute he takes off down the other end of the right. field. And they, you what know, if, they what if the defense? What if the offense shoots? Defense backs it up. Then you clear with seven. No. If they, yeah, if the defense runs it out, yeah, they clear it. But I'm saying, like, if 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 you're in a rep and the offense shoots it and the defense backs it up, you you end line clear that. You do a fast Correct. clear. Correct. Okay. Okay. Good. Correct. That's awesome. Yep. Um, I think competition. I, I think that. competition is a huge, huge piece, and obviously you've thrived on that, right, Coach? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's. That's that's really the biggest thing is you you go through a week, uh, and you try and keep track of how many times you you pit them against each other. Um, you know, we, we do man to man down, and you know, Ben Reeves is like, Coach, we got to put the clock on, and we got to we got to keep score against each other because we're trying. You know, which is unfair when you're trying to put a play in, but at the same time, it's kind of like who cares? 
You know what I mean? We got to we got to get right. better. So for our guys, that's definitely, you know, what gets them better more than anything else. Um, another drill that we do, uh, AT, is the, the old bulldog drill um, from years ago, the, the four on four in the box where you quick slide. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, we actually <clears throat> we actually take uh, cones or or we have these fake field lines. And we bring it all the way into like a twenty yard by fifteen yard box. Small. And we call that we call that bulldog tight. And that is just that is a offensive failure, you know, nine out of ten times. If you can get two <laughs> right. you can get two shots, you're you're doing really well. And um, that's one that gets our guys so much better. And it's got nothing to do with our opponent. It just gets us so much better. Um and it's another one. It's gets it's guys trash talk, and you know, our guys aren't stupid. It's definitely a defensive advantage drill, but we feel like we put more friction on the offense. That's get the offense better. You know, when we do regular bulldog drill and we spread it out, that's that's much easier on our offense after doing bulldog tight. Yeah, I love so. it. I love it. So here, coach, I got two questions, two final questions for you about personnel. One is about your team, and the other is about uh, opposing teams that you played. Who's been the scariest? player to this date that when going into a game plan that you played this year that is just like man what an impressive player uh and and that's a guy that's obviously a a key to the game plan um who's been that guy so far this year uh, Uh, from Yale I mean every every game I feel like it's (laughs) it's somebody we got some we got some bruiser players on our (laughs) schedule I mean you got the Maryland guys are obviously um you know their attack is incredible. Uh, right, that's a one-two punch there. The one-two-three punch. Yeah, um, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, Villanova's got you know five and six guys that play as good a half-field offense as, as you can see. You know, um, you know the 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 Sowers kid is extremely impressive with how many points he puts up as a freshman. So really, uh, and they you know for them, I guess speaking, uh, you know. I think Courier probably makes them go more than anything, but then you've got a guy like Sowers and a guy like Sims who can just light it up. Um, Finish so, it off for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I, when I watch film, I, I, I go through the week saying, you know, how are we going to keep these guys under 30 goals? Like, you know, and that's, <laughs> it's, I swear to God, it's every game, every team, it's like, oh, we're never going to win. This is impossible. We can't stop these guys. Like, and we go out there and it's somehow it's not that bad. Like, oh yeah, we have good players too. So, um, that's right. You know, but that's just, a, that's just my mentality. I think, you know, going in, going into the, going into every game. So, and of course we got some bruisers, you know, coming, coming down the line, uh, in these next, and you're going to face so. those, some of those bruisers again, uh, potentially in the Ivy league tournament, of course. Uh, yeah, so, uh, face so those, that's those pen bruisers, Matthias and, and, uh, you know, Dunn and, and, and Gary, those guys are not to mention the kid, the, the long pole. I don't know why he doesn't play offense. Connor Keating. What a bomb he hit last week, man. Oh, my God. (laughs) I dug down. I think that's still hanging in the corner. (laughs) It hasn't even dropped yet. He does it I ducked out of the way. He was on the other side. He does. I mean, it's it's unreal. It's Uh, it's too funny. Well, Coach, you have a potential – uh, man of the year uh, on your uh, squad. Right. He definitely did not start the season uh, sharp, but that was probably much due to injury. But I can tell you now, he's sharp as 
the sharpest knife in the in the cabinet right, uh, these right. days. Uh, you've got 20 seconds to sell us to Orton candidate Ben oh, Reeves. Oh, why oh, does why, do I why does he? Twenty seconds, as much as you can. Why does he deserve Player of the Year? Because he's definitely up there in that conversation. Uh, he is very close to the best player I've ever coached. If if not, uh, he's not quite as good as John Grant, but he's 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 at least number two. Sorry, I don't think Jesus Christ is quite as good as John. Grant. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and he, has, yeah, well, he had no left hand. Jesus has a pretty good resume. Right. <laughs> Um, no, he just, he can, he can do, uh, so many things. Um, and he's just, he's, he's a, he's a great kid, enjoy to coach unselfish as can be. I mean, honestly, I'd wish he'd shoot more. I mean, he's last year he had nine man up shots and and was, was not shut off that much. How stupid is that? He could kick and shoot through an oak tree. (laughs) That's awesome. He's just too, he's too unselfish if he has a flaw. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, he's playing at the top of his game, and obviously, and I'm not going to make any assumptions here, but it seems that since Ben Reeves has developed himself and, as you said, improved himself over the course of the season, albeit you know he had some probable injuries earlier this year, he has helped Yale uh, turn them around as one of the hottest teams in the NCAA. Coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on board. Obviously, we're just going to – this was a quick one, but uh, thank you so much for coming on board and no uh, joining in a conversation. Uh, thank you. For sure. Right, good luck this weekend, and uh, Thanks, good luck the rest of the season. All right, guys. Great fan of the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're the man. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to go to uh, Sisu, uh, the mouthpiece, and uh, we'll, we'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouth guards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouth guards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. But then you go to the other end of the spectrum, RD, and you got the toughest schedules, right? The right. men. The men. That's yes. what we'll call this group. <laughs> the proven commodity. Proven. Right? Proven, this not is, imposters. These guys, these guys are the guys sitting on top of the horse with the mustache finish, finishing off a brown-filtered Marlboro Red, right? At the top of the list, Johns Hopkins has played six top 20 teams. Six. That's six more than Penn State. <laughs> has played five top 20 teams that's five more than penn state <laughs> notre dame has played five top 20 teams that's five more than penn state du and north carolina have both played five top 20 teams again that's five more than penn state <laughs> right and then you've got the last group here and these guys are smoking a Marlboro 100, right? White filter. And that's teams that have played four top 20 teams. And that's Penn, Loyola, Virginia, Duke, and Towson. All of those respective 11 teams 
are proven commodities, right? They all have a win over a top 20 program and step up to the major league pitchers each week and take and, and take it. And so <laughs> I, I, you got to believe, though, that some of these imposters, if they win against top 20 teams, will legitimize themselves and uh, I will eat crow. But until that happens, I'm not, I'm not doing it. What a hijack, AT. Incredible. Andy Shea coming on board to the show live. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Some really great insight on coaches. Uh, some really great insight on how to deal with a little adversity in the front end of your season. Uh, obviously, uh, Ben Rees has been a huge success later on the last few weeks, which has obviously uh, been a huge uh, boost to the Yale squad. But uh, awesome to see Andy Shea come on board and, uh, uh, and, and check us out um, and uh, answer some of our questions. That was pretty neat for sure. And, uh, super humble. You can see why his team has – you know, uh, the toughness and sort of the inherent chip on their shoulder just in the way that, you know, he answers the question. Very self-deprecating, very humble, uh, you know, seems to be all substance, you know, no, no fluff, no bullshit. And quite frankly, it's kind of the way that his team plays. They say that you take on the personality of your coach. It's easy to see why Yale's had the success that they've had because they just do the work. And, and Andy Shea does the work, and that's why they are consistently at the top of the Ivy League and one of the best teams in the country. I love it, man. I love it. Let's get to players and coaches of the week. Uh, obviously, um, you know, AT, big weekend again. Um, but who is your player of the week, AT? Uh, as always, I will start with my runner-up. Um, you know, my runner-up this week was – Justin Gooderding from Duke. He went three goals, three assists against Carolina, spearheaded the comeback after starting down 6-1 versus the Heels. Um, you know, I mean, and he's and he's their energizer. I mean, he gets going, he whoops it up. He he gives Duke a ton of confidence. So he was my runner up. Uh, but my player of the week this week goes to uh, Colby Canise. The freshman goaltender, freshman goaltender, right? See, freshman. Yes, correct. Yes, freshman goaltender from Penn State. Thirteen saves, four goals allowed in a win over number five, Ohio. Uh, number five, Ohio State. What a performance! He's my uh, in-your-face player of the week. My player of the week, Christian Cuccinello. Yeah, five and one versus Marquette in a huge league win, uh, including the game winner. In OT, what a game by the Villanova guy! Uh, just five—I mean, five and one—against uh, a team like Marquette uh, in a league that uh, right now, I mean, with Denver not playing at its finest, uh, the Big East is still up for grabs. And so, uh, Villanova, like Yale, uh, one of the hottest teams right now in NCAA Division One men's lacrosse. So, Christian Cuccinello, five and one versus Marquette, uh, okay. big game. Uh, At your coach of the week, who you got? Uh, runner up because I like to draw the attention to myself and keep it on myself. Uh, runner up is, is that Villanova game? And that's Mike Corrado pulling out a huge win, maybe arguably the hottest team in the country right now, Villanova. They had a really rough start to the season, but they've just been on a roll since that Maryland victory. So Mike Corrado is my runner up. Um, 
But the coach of the week for me, this guy does not get enough credit given his resume and the fact that he's simply one of the best coaches of all time. And that's John Desco from Syracuse University. All he did was avenge a you know, 19 to 6 loss from last year or something like that to Notre Dame. He, he went out to South Bend and beat them. They went in ranked number two, although I had them ranked number one. Uh, <laughs> and he went out and he beat Notre Dame in South Bend, which is not easy to do. For yet another one goal victory for their fifth top 20 win of 2017, my IYF Coach of the Week, John Desco, Syracuse. I love it. My assistant Coach of the Week, I'm going to ZooMass. Craig McDonald, defensive coordinator for UMass, holds a Delaware team who, by the way, beat at one time the number one team in the country in Rutgers, uh, who is known for its offensive prowess. I mean, holds Delaware to six goals. That's an impressive effort that to is. keep UMass relative in the conversation when you talk CAA. Uh, that's a big league win uh, and an excellent defensive performance and obviously an excellent defensive game plan. So Craig McDonald, defensive coordinator for UMass, gets my assistant coach of the week at the Torton candidates it's a big wait wait, wait 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 Uh-oh. wait we, we got a review last week's oh we're not getting we're not even there yet oh okay Good. Oh, jeez. Sorry, did I have attention span trying, deficiency? That's because you won and you're just looking to just well, gloat. Look, I, didn't, I didn't win. We actually right, pushed easy, and we'll talk settle, about it. Settle down. Settle down <laughs> over there. Tawarton, candidates are a hugely discussed and debated topic. Yep. And this year, there's not very many obvious, clear-cut winners so far. And a lot of people could argue a lot of different candidates. AT, we discussed off air who would be your five candidates, and obviously I have no idea who they are, but I'm interested to hear who they are. Who are your five Tawarton candidate potentials at this point in the season? You know, it's a really good question. I, I was doing my research on it all, and the way that I broke it down is I tried to figure out who – the best player was or who's having the best year at each position. And I had seven total positions, the top attackman, midfielder, defenseman, goalie, but then also face-off guy, long stick midi, and short stick D-mid. And ultimately what I came down to was settling in on a list of five guys based on the strength of that respective position. So uh, my final list, the top attackman I ended up having is Connor Fields based on his performance statistically to date. And even though they've played a soft schedule, he seems to get it done every single game at a very, very big number. I had him edging out Michael Sowers, Ryder Garnsey, Gooderding, and Pat Spencer. Uh, the top midfielder I ended up settling in was Zach Courier. Top faceoff guy is Batiste. Uh, the top D guy between Eppel Fields, but I had and Mike Rex Road was in there, but I ended up going with Ben Randall based on watching him play against Connor Canizero on national TV a few weeks back, the defenseman from Ohio State. Uh, the top wow. goalie for me is Benny Pugh, um, saving the Richmond. ball at almost 70%, um, you know, almost almost pulling it off against Virginia last week. Top long stick to me, I'd love to put Larkin Kemp in here, but but this year it's got to be Connor Keating from Penn. You know, what a what a player he is. 
And then the top SSDM, there's a lot of people, but I ended up coming back to that's got to be Zach Courier, even though he's not an SSDM. So my final list of five, Ryan, is Zach Courier, Connor Fields, Trevor Baptiste, Ben Randall, and Benny Pugh. Wow. So I actually have a very similar – this is nuts, and we don't, we don't talk about this off air because we kind of want to keep some of it, you know – um, improv, mm-hmm. but that's incredible. I home I have almost the exact same list of that guys. That is really unbelievable. Almost, and we're not almost. lying, we're, guys. We're, listen, we're liars. There's no question about it. But we're not lying here. So this we'll, is not. Hopefully that adds, hopefully that statement gives us some credibility. I did the exact same thing because I don't really have like. There's no Lyle Thompson. There's no Rob Pinnell in this. Um, you know, when you talk about some of the more dynamic players, uh, they're young and they often don't get considered for this type of award. You know, you got the Michael Krause out there. Kirk's just texted me. It was like, please tell me Krause was a thought. Uh, you know, he was a thought for me. I think, I think he's Virginia's best offensive player as a freshman. Uh, could be. Yeah, could be, but they haven't won a lot um, of games. They haven't won a lot of that's games. That's the yet. issue. That's the hurts. issue. That's the issue. It definitely oh. hurts them. But I have the following: Trevor Baptiste as a Tawarton candidate for sure. I mean, when he goes into the national tournament, he is going to be one of the biggest and toughest opponents. Just him himself. That is going to cause nightmares for any team going to the national tournament. Agree. So, so Z- Trevor Baptiste has to be in the conversation this year more than any other year as a Tawarton candidate, in my opinion. Number two for me, there are millions of different things that happen on a lacrosse field. And this guy is one of the few guys on the planet that can do them all and crush them and crush you as a team, and that is Zach Courier. No doubt. He literally... He, I think he has over close to 100 GBs. Now, granted, he's taking faceoffs, but here's the deal. He loses every single quote-unquote faceoff and then goes beat you up and then picks up the ball. There's no bigger heart in the NCAA than Zach Courier. I've seen it and witnessed it firsthand from the sidelines, watching this guy do everything on the field. Now he's playing significantly less defense this year which has enabled him to do the things in between the field uh, in between the lines that he does and playing and making a significant impact on the offensive end but when you talk about an MVP of a team there's probably no one in the country that does it better than Zach Courier at Princeton Agreed. so I've got him as a lock in the top five couple other guys that I really feel like you know you mentioned Connor Keating he's an incredible asset but like you said about Michael Krause, if Penn's not winning games, it's hard to put him in the, the uh, conversation for Tawarton. Right. Um, so for me, the best pole in the country who I, you know, w- couple that with a winning program, I'm putting John Sexton in the top five Tawarton yeah. candidates. Yep. And, and, and I believe it because he, like Zach Courier, is the heart of of Notre Dame, despite Ryder Garnsey playing well, it, despite their Shane Doss playing you're well. Right. I, mean, I, I, Johnny I, I forgot about him. Heart. That's a great call. Um, and so I, I think that he deserves to be a top five candidate when it comes down to uh, the final list. And so I've got John Sexton securely in there. Yeah. Now the last two spots are up for grabs. And, um, you know, I look at offensive dominance. And I, I'm going to go to Yale. And now I know that 
Ben Reeves started out really slow, and that's going to hurt him. And, and Yale's got to finish strong at the end of the season to consider or to keep Ben Reeves considered in this territory of top five. But he is a powerful player with a lot to give and, again, the heart of Yale. And if they do go far, you've got to look to his success as being a major piece and player to Yale's team over the course of their season. And so uh, as attackmen, and you look at the most dominant attackmen out there, do you put Ben Reeves up there? Yes, I, I would put him as the top five, um, but again, they've got to finish strong in order to do that. I don't disagree with your guy, Connor Fields, but again, what's their resume? I mean, Yale's got a, arguably a little bit better of a schedule than Albany does, but it's not so much more that Connor Fields is overwhelmingly more than Ben Reeves and vice versa. So uh, I, I like uh, your pick, but I'm going to put Ben Reeves in there. And my last pick... Um, and if you're going to go dynamic and you're going to go with a guy that's going to make an impact for the next four years, I'm putting Mikey Sowers in as a Tawarton five, top five finalist. I have to agree. He, and, and a large part of his success, you could argue, is Zach Courier getting up and down the field and doing the things that he does between cause turnovers, GBs, uh, and scoring goals and making an impact on the offensive end. Uh, but when we talk about you know the Pat Spencers of the world uh, who dominated as much as they did freshman year, this is a kid uh, that we're going to see at the top of his game for the next four years. And you know we all talk about the sophomore slump as Pat, as Pat Spencer going through it a little bit you could you know it's a little bit he's still a dominant attackman and you right. still got to watch out for him every single time you're going to game plan against Loyola he's going Mikey through Sowers. it he's going through it as the second leading goal scorer as the second leading point scorer in the country at this point that's right uh, yeah it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement I mean the reality is relative to his year last year he's 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 not having well let's face it Loyola isn't having the same caliber of season you know and if Loyola is nine and one or eight and two instead of six and four we're probably talking about pat spencer a little more than we are that's um, right and, and you can't have most of your points come from a, a, a one and nine performance against lafayette i mean that's right. the reality of it too. so so mikey sowers is my fifth when we talk about five top five candidates so those are my five i was very close to putting a goalie in there benny Pugh is up there jack and cannon is up there as yep. well you, yep. you've got uh, undefeated Hosher, and if they continue to stay on that path, then I would put Jack Kuncannon in that mix because you talk about hearts of teams that are successful and they're going to carry your team to a national championship potential, then he's got to be in that discussion. Uh, so a very mixed crew. I like the fact that we might actually have a potential pole face-off uh, midfielder and attackman as a potential top five, uh, but a, a great discussion nonetheless, and it's fun to see. And and I'm I'm rooting for my guys as I'm rooting for your guys as well. I think that'd be great to see. Yeah. Uh, next up in this segment is a battle of who wants it least. We're going to shorten this segment a little bit, at. <laughs> Because we had this planned out, and it's the show's getting a little long, but that's all right. Um, uh, it's always good to get hijacked by Andy Shea. Um, but pick the biggest team right now who absolutely wants no part of getting in the conversation when it comes to at-large bits. The number one candidate of who wants it least, AT. Oh, man. I, I, I have mine. I have mine. I, I, and you know mine. I hate to say this, but uh, I, it's the same as mine now. <laughs> it sucks to say this, but it's it's Carolina. It is. Um, it's one hundred percent Carolina. It is. I mean, they're five and five, and they they look tired at this point. Um, you know, I, I've we've talked about it. Listen, outside of Brown, there's not a team that I want to see win more than North Carolina. 
given my friendship with Joe Bresch. Um, but the reality is they just don't look inspired right now. They look tired. You know, they don't have, in my opinion, an attackman that can run by a defenseman and score a goal if they don't slide. They miss Stephen Pontrello a ton. Massive. A ton. And I thought he was a first-team All-American last year. And he think I think he only ended up getting HM. But to me, he was a first-team All-American last year. In North Carolina, to me, you know, they don't have a bad loss. They have five losses, but and, they, and they've only lost to ranked teams, Hofstra, Hopkins, Richmond, Maryland, and Duke. But they're just not playing well. You know, they do have a, a high-quality win in the bank over Denver. Right. But Virginia this weekend and Virginia just comes off a big win over Richmond and they're playing inspired. They are playing inspired and they, you know, a lot like Carolina four years ago or whatever it may be, Virginia hasn't won an ACC game in a long time. Although they've been really close. They've lost a lot of That's right. overtime games. Um, you know, Carolina to me is, 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 they're, are they going to make, are they going to make the ACC tournament? They have three games left. Here's, Listen, here's the thing. They, they, they three have games to beat left. Virginia this weekend. Do I think that they're going to beat them? No, I think Virginia's going to win. Um, I do. And, I think that Virginia's going to get their first ACC uh, win since. And, like and, and listen, I, I want to see Laura successful too. So it's not an issue of that. But I just look at the way the teams are playing. And, and to me, Virginia's on the brink of breaking out. You know, like That's Nish right. said. They, they're, they're, so, they're scary close. You know, Virginia, you could see Virginia – just slipping into that four spot in the ACC tournament, winning the ACC championship, and going on and, and making it to the Final Four. Do I think they're going to win the national championship? No, but they certainly could. You know, if, 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 right. if, they, if they play a little bit better, they, they could win the whole thing. They could. They've got, the, they've got the players, and they've got the staff, and they've got – you know, they, they, the pressure isn't on them based on the way this regular season has played out. Um, so they they could. But Carolina, to me, is, is stumbling. Uh, the other team that's stumbling is – you're not going to like this, Ryan. Dartmouth? Penn. Penn. No, Dartmouth is – they've fallen down. Uh, Penn <laughs> is stumbling. Down. I mean, Penn, even though, you know, they have a win, no bad losses, have played a super challenging schedule – they were kind of getting blown out by Yale. The score on Saturday's game was deceptive. It ended up as, what, a two-goal game? But it wasn't. It's was like 13-6. to six. You guys were getting rolled, you know, after, after getting rolled by Princeton, Princeton and almost giving it away against Cornell. I mean, thank God you beat Cornell. Otherwise, you'd be 3-5 and five with no wins in the Ivy League, and you're really – your back's against the wall. And this is a team that, you know, after they beat – Virginia, we were thinking, or at least I was thinking, that, you know what, this team is super, super scary. And they need, they need, they got to win this weekend. You know, they go to, I think they go to Brown, right? It's Penn at That's Brown. correct. Yeah, in Providence. Now, Brown is, they're, they're between Penn and, and Dartmouth with the way that they're playing. I, I just, I can't get over it. Um, and this is a make or break. I think the loser of Penn Brown this weekend is, is going to be, uh, looking outside unless of course um you know Penn beats brown and then Penn goes and loses to harvard and now we've got you know three teams at one and one against each other and then who knows how it how it finishes up um but i think the class of the ivy league is is yale 
and then Princeton. Uh, and then it's a battle of who wants it less between Penn, Brown, <laughs> and Harvard. And then you've got That's Cornell. Right. And then way below that, you got Dartmouth. Um, so, you know, to me, Carolina and, and, and Penn are the two teams that are not, not playing well. Um, so that's it. Well, an interesting point that uh, Pat McEwen, I actually did the math and he tweeted it out first. But I was like, I looked at them and I saw five and five with three games left, one being Virginia, which is the most quote unquote winnable game, but good luck. That's like sitting on top of the marble horse, right? Um, and then they have Q's and Notre Dame, arguably the two top teams in the ACC. So from that standpoint, if they go one and two in the next, that means that brings them to six and seven. They get into the ACC tournament. They lose. They're not into the national tournament just by default because they can't get it. And on top of that, if they get to They're just going to have to schedule win. Hampton quick. <laughs> right at halftime remember, of the game really remember, quick. Like, you might, this might have been before you were, before you were told. I think, I think I was coaching at Yale at the time. And Carolina, I, I want to say it was Hawsey that was coaching Carolina at the time. And they, they were in that exact situation. And they had a big win, and they were, I, I want to say they were like six and seven or seven and eight, and they just picked up a, picked up a game like late in the season. No way. Yes, they did. And they, <laughs> and they, of course, won, and they ended up making the tournament. I don't know when. That's it could have been like 2001 or 1998 or something like that, but that's, that scenario happened. So if they make it and they win, they're 500 in the first round of the ACC, and then losing the ACC championship, they're back to eight, seven, and eight, and they can't get there. They can't. They can't go to the national tournament. So UNC goes one and two, makes the ACC tournament. They're still in deep, deep doo-doo. Uh, so they got a lot of work to do. We're gonna take a quick break right here. Uh, when we come back, we got our picks for the weekend. Uh, so hang in there tight. We'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. We're back. We just made it just in time. AT taking a quick one, uh, but he made it back. <laughs> AT talk, talk to us. Talk to us about last week's picks. Uh, all right, Ryan. Well, you know, it was uh, high drama. I tweeted out going into Sunday's games, Penn State, Ohio State, North Carolina, Duke, that it was uh, – 15-11, 15-11, I believe, or what I was up by one point. Needless to say, this is the first week where we actually tied. Yes! Oh, we needed that. I needed we were that. both 16 and 14, um, which, wow. which is incredible because the Rock Bottom Bowl only has one point available because there's no – right. No and line. I gave you that one, too. I gave you that one. Well, that's all right. I gave, I gave you VMI Bellarmine last week. 
That's right. That were even. And then we pushed, or the world pushed, on the Michigan-Maryland game as that finished right at 23, which ended up being the push there. But um, great call, bad call. Great calls for me were Yale in the over versus Penn. Richmond in the under versus Virginia. Denver in the over versus Georgetown and Albany in the over versus Stony Brook. Those were you, right? Those were you or me? Your your great calls were Harvard in the over against Albany midweek last week. Hopkins in the under versus Rutgers. Princeton in the over versus Brown. That sucked. Denver in the over (laughs) versus Georgetown and Albany in the over versus Stony Brook. So you actually had one more great call than I did this week. Yes. Um, bad calls. Army in the under. This was me. Brutal. Army in the under, I was wrong on both versus Bucknell. Towson in the over, I was wrong on both versus Drexel. Ohio State in the over, I was wrong versus both on both versus Penn State. Wow. And Notre Dame in the under, I was wrong on both versus Syracuse. Um, your bad calls were Fairfield in the over versus Hofstra. I really thought they were going to pull that out. I thought Fairfield would win. I thought it was a trap game, so I agree. Yes. Uh, BU in the over versus Lehigh, um, and then Army in the under versus Bucknell. So uh, we tied on the week. I only had three bad calls, huh? Yeah. That's not that bad. No, it's not. Uh, Overall, I'm up by three points. I'm 147 and 137, and you're 144 and 140. So right there, neck and neck. Well, at least we're uh, plus four and you're plus what? Seven, I think it is. Um, in the money? We're in the yeah, money? Yeah. Plus four and plus seven? Yeah, plus ten. Uh, plus ten total. That's uh, that's good, man. That's good. So here's the deal. We got the lightning round. Uh, we're going to fly through this. We've got one, two, three, eight lightning round games on a week of, I believe, 13 or 14 games total. So let's start it off. Number two, Syracuse at Hobart. Tonight, 7 p.m., Syracuse favored not by one, but by five and a half. The over-under here is 23. What do you got here, A.T.? Hobart always plays them well, but Hobart's having a bad year, and Syracuse is having a good year. Um, uh, Even though it's at Hobart, it's impossible for me to not take Syracuse. Um, They're going to score a lot of goals, but, but 23 seems a lot when we're talking about Hobart. I got Syracuse in the under. <clears throat> Perfect. Um, I'm going to take Syracuse for sure, and I'm going to take the over in this one. I think that uh, Hobart does score some goals, but certainly not enough to cover the five and a half. That's for sure. Number thirteen, Rutgers goes to Ann Arbor to play Michigan Saturday at 11 a.m. Rutgers is favored by three goals. Twenty-three and a half is the over/under. What do you got here, At? Rutgers is stumbling a little bit, and Michigan has a lot of talent. Uh, even though they got blasted by Maryland last week, three goals. I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan wins. I'm actually going to take Michigan, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the over here because I think that that Mar- I think that both teams are going to score goals. I got Michigan, and I got the over. I'm going to take Rutgers here, and I'm going to take the over. So uh, we've got our first difference. Yes. Um, but uh, UMass at number 16, Towson, 12 noon Saturday. Towson is favored by two and a half. The over-under here is 18. What do you got, AT? 
UMass playing a lot better. They're a different team than they were in the beginning of the year. Towson keeps the score close. They win close games. Uh, the over-under is really low. Um, I'm going to take UMass two and a half. With the way Towson plays, I got UMass and I got the under. I'm definitely taking the under as well. I think this ends up being like a 9-6 game, yep. but I do have Towson covering that two and a half goals. Uh, so I've got Towson covering there as well. Number three, Hofstra at Delaware. 1 p.m. game, Hofstra favored by two. Over-under is two and a half, uh, 22, excuse me. Hofstra's going to win the game 11-9, Ryan. That's how they win. Uh, <laughs> That's how they win every I game. think Hofstra's goalie is too good. And, and, and Delaware, even though they had a big win against Rutgers two weeks ago, I just don't think that they're going to be able to solve Con Cannon, Cannon in the net. Um, I like Hofstra, and I like the under, because I don't think Hofstra scores a lot of goals. Hofstra. I am taking the money line on Delaware. Ooh. I'm taking right, huh? Delaware plus two, and I'm taking the over. The trifecta on this one this is, I'm calling it right now, Hofstra's undefeated season comes to a crashing halt uh, against Delaware this this weekend. Uh, I, I, I think that the first, uh, Delaware's loss to UMass uh, puts a little bit more pressure on them, and I think that they had that blip on the radar er, uh, midseason. I think they recover against Hofstra, and we're going to really find out what kind of a team Hofstra is this weekend. Dartmouth goes to number 17, Yale. Our friend Andy Shea joining the show today. It was great. 1 p.m., Yale is favored by six goals. The over-under here is 22. What do you got, AT? I think Yale wins 15-0. to zero. I got Yale on the under. I got Yale on the under as well. <laughs> uh, I, I keep going. I, I can't do it anymore. Uh, UMBC at number 7, Albany. 1 p.m., Albany is favored by 5.5. The 22.5 is the over-under. What do you got, AT? Albany beats everybody not in the top 20. By 10 goals, UMBC's close. Ryan Moran's doing a good job. I think they're going to try to slow it down. But you're going to have a tough time slowing down a team that wins face-offs the way that Albany and JT Ireland does uh, with that offense, five and a half goals. TD, TD Ireland, I think, right? Whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I, got, I got Albany and I got the over. I mean, they're going to score. They're going to score. They're going to beat them 22 to 10. <laughs> it's the runs it's the runs that albany has i mean i think it was like a 3-3 game with stony brook and then they went on a, like a 15 goal run that's how albany like works that in those since, kind of since uh tim mcginney's pictures <laughs> <laughs> you don't want those pictures uh and, and i've got the over in this one i think that all uh umbc scores a few but i think albany really runs it up on this one mercer Goes to number 14, Richmond at 1 p.m. Richmond is favored by five goals. The over-under here is 18. What do you got, AT? Richmond's been making a living, holding people down. This game's going to be no different. I got Richmond in the under. Richmond's defense might be arguably the best defense in the country, better than Notre Dame's. It is. Um, it is. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. If you have a chance to see Richmond, check them out. Their defense is incredible. I'm taking five points for Richmond as well, and I'm taking the under. Um, I, th I don't think Richmond scores a ton, but I don't think Mercer scores at all. Number 15, Princeton goes to Stony Brook on the island at 7 p.m. game. Princeton's favored by four and a half. The over under here is 24 and a half. What do you got here, AT? Princeton's hitting on all cylinders. Stony Brook, a few weeks ago, I may have taken Stony Brook in this situation, but they've been brought back to earth really, really quickly, and Princeton is playing really well. 
behind a lot of good players. Uh, I got Princeton in the over in this game. I got this. This is a weird game. This is Stony Brook's game, I believe. I think that Stony Brook covers the four and a half. Do they win? They have a chance to, I think. Uh, Really interesting, weird non-league game amongst all the you know obviously the seven teams in the ivy league so you've got to always have a quote-unquote bye week whether that's playing a different team or just taking the weekend off i think this is an interesting game for 15 princeton but uh i'm going to take stony brook here plus four and a half and i'm going to take the over on this one uh that is it for the lightning round at so let's get right into the picks for the rest number four notre dame Goes to Durham, North Carolina to play number 10 Duke, 12 noon. Uh, Notre Dame is favored by two and a half on the road. 22 and a half is the over-under. How do you feel about this one, A.T.? This is a really interesting game. Uh, Duke is having a much better year than I thought that they would have. I picked them last in the ACC in the beginning of the year. John Donowski just continues to do what he does, and that is uh, make his team better and better and better as the year wears on. I think Duke, in the fact that they aren't going to have the ball in Miles Jones' stick for 56 out of the 60 minutes, (laughs) makes them a much harder offense to prepare for this year. And I think that Duke is going to control the faceoff X with Kyle Rowe, who's proven he's arguably probably the second best guy behind Trevor Baptiste, they're playing in Durham, sort of the pressure sort of on Notre Dame. I don't know if Duke wins, but I think Duke covers. You know, I can see 12-10, um, but I wouldn't also be surprised if Duke wins the game. Uh, I, I'm going to take Duke, and I'm going to take Duke, and I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take Duke into the over here. I think this is the first time Duke sees a defense as powerful as Notre Dame's and a scheme that's as powerful as Notre Dame. And I just don't see Duke with its lack of experience against a top-tier team like Notre Dame. Uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame covering this. I'm going to take the under, though. Um, I just still think I, – I just – we again, I don't, I don't know – the identity of Notre Dame's offense. They score a lot one time. I mean, they're doing better now towards the end of the season, but I just don't know their identity. But I do know their identity on the defensive end, and I really know uh, that the, both the goalie from a face-off perspective, that's the one key that Duke has in this game is that the kid, um, Rowe, can really change the dynamic of this game and win it, like you said, um, if he's getting if they're going 60-40. Uh, but if they're 50-50, I've got Notre Dame definitely covering this. So i got Notre Dame minus 2.5, and, and I've got the under in this. Uh, BU, who is formerly ranked, not anymore, at number 6 Army. This has got to be one of the highest ranks Army's ever had. Uh, 12 noon, Saturday, Army's favored by 2.5 in a huge Patriot League contest. 20.5 is the over-under. What do you have here, AJ? I think BU's questioning themselves. You know, They obviously have a great goalie. They're missing Sam Talco. Um, I, I just Army's too tough on both ends of the field and at the X. You know, I, I, Army's going to win the game, and I, and I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I, I can see Army winning ten seven, you know, eleven eight, something like that. So I'm going to take Army, and I'm going to take the under. I like that score. In fact, I I was thinking that exact score. 
Uh, 11-8 was the number that comes to mind with me. Uh, BU is a different team without being able to control the faceoff acts, as is any team in the country. Um, And Army seems to be rolling on all cylinders, large part due to their schedule. I mean, let's face it, Army's not, you know, I don't think they're a team that's sitting on top of the horse, as you like to to, uh, allude to. But um, Army's playing well on all parts of the field. So I'm going to take Army. Uh, minus two and a half, and I'm going to take the under yep. on this one. Just below 20 goals, if not right at 20. Next up, number 18, Villanova, one of the hottest teams in NCAA. At number five, Denver. In Denver, this is a Sunday 2 p.m. game. A lot of Sunday tilts this weekend, uh, which is awesome. Uh, Denver favored by two and a half. The over-under here is 23. What do you got, AT? So hard to pick against Denver. They're just – you just – you know, you just feel like they're never mm-hmm. going to lose. It's like it's like picking mm-hmm. against Alabama in college football. Uh, <laughs> it really is. You know, and two and a half goals at Denver. You know, but I but I just like the way that Villanova is playing. They seem like they are again. You know, along with Yale, but Villanova in particular, maybe the hottest team in the country, and they do it offensively, and they're hard to prepare for. And I don't like Denver's goalie at all. I love their faceoff guy, but I don't love their goalie. Um, uh, you know what? I'm just I'm going to do it. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova win this game with the way that they are playing. So I'm going to do it, even though two and a half goals doesn't seem like enough. I'm still going to take Villanova, and I'm going to take the over in a high scoring affair. I'm taking the over, but I'm definitely taking Denver in this. Um, that's the easiest pick for me. Uh, in large part, I feel like Villanova comes a little bit crashing down here. Um, I think that they play a team that, one, you're playing in a very hostile environment, and two, I think you're just playing against a team with a lot of experience. There is zero way Villanova wins faceoffs come su- uh, Sunday at 2 p.m., and that is going to control the game for Denver. So I've got the over as well. I do think it might be a little bit of a shootout, uh, but I've got Denver taking control of that one. Number 11, Johns Hopkins goes to the shoe in a Big Ten faceoff uh, against number nine, Ohio State. Johns Hopkins is favored by one on the road. 22 and a half is the over under. What do you got here, AT? You know, this is a really good game. It's a really good game. Um, had Ohio State beaten Penn State on Sunday, I think I may have picked Ohio State. But I do think that Penn State exposed them a little bit, and they may be questioning themselves going into this game. And Hopkins seems to have found their momentum coming off of a great win against Rutgers on Friday night. Uh, you know, after beating Virginia in overtime, Hopkins, I think, is starting to hit their stride. But we always say that. Um, you know, and then they, and then they lose a game that we think they should win. I just think that a lot like the Hopkins Rutgers game last week, I think that, you know, Ohio state comes into the game wondering if they, if they're really on the level, you know, and, and I, and I think they are, but I just think that Hopkins is, is going to beat them. I think Hopkins beats them by two goals. You know, I can see it being, 10-8 or something low scoring. I'm going to take Hopkins and I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the money line on Ohio State. Ooh. I'm taking Ohio State plus one. Yeah. And I'm going to take the under in this. Ohio State, this last week was one of the worst performances Ohio State's had. 
since they got shut out at Notre Dame, I think two years ago, right? Remember that? Nine nothing? Yep. Um, in I think it was in Columbus as well. Rock um, It was bad. And I think Ohio State just generally across the board had a terrible game against Penn State. And definitely not the time to have a terrible game. But if it's early enough, I think that Ohio State gets back on track. I really do uh, see a lot of, of, of great things from a face-off perspective, from a goalie perspective, from a defensive perspective, and then just the discipline across the board on the offensive end with their weapons. I just don't see Hopkins going to the shoe and beating Ohio State. I just don't see it at all, and I see redemption from Ohio State. They're going to be fuming on all cylinders. I'm taking Ohio State plus one, and I'm taking the under. Got it. Number 19, UNC. Just slipping in the top 20 because they still have that win over Denver. Number 12, going to Charlottesville. We were talking about this earlier. Number 12, UVA, 7 p.m. UVA is favored by two and a half. Two and a half. They haven't won an ACC game, I think, since 2014. But they're favored two and a half against UNC. 23 and a half is the over-under. What do you got here, AT? Uh, Two teams going in different directions. Um, Well, UNC is not. They're going in one direction. UVA... You know, even though they had a big win over Richmond, I still think that they're a work in progress, as they're all works in progress. I just, I just feel like um, UNC doesn't look like they are covering up inside. Virginia is going to run, 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 and I don't think that favors North Carolina. Um, I'm concerned that Bones Kelly's hurt. He did not look good against Kyle Rowe on Sunday. While I don't love UVA's face-off unit, I do know that UNC needs to win the face-offs for them to be in a position to win this game. And, and I am just concerned about Kelly's health. He just doesn't he doesn't look like he's himself. Um, I also think that UNC's struggling offensively as well as defensively. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Virginia and I'm gonna take the over. Uh, I'm definitely taking Virginia in this one. Home, two and a half. I just don't. I just see the run and gun playing in the favor of UVA. Yeah. I I see a lot of turnovers by UNC. I don't see. Uh, you know, if anything, the run and gun could actually might help UNC because it doesn't put them in a six on six scenario where I think they really struggle, as you just mentioned. Um, but UNC's got a lot of problems, and I think that this basically cuts UNC's season out. But if they win, they stay alive. Uh, I'm going to take the over on 23 and a half. Uh, in your face, game of the week. Yep. Number one, Penn State, Nittany Lions, going to College Park to play number eight, Maryland Terrapins. Maryland is favored by one and a half goals. Not too surprising given that they're home. Over under here is 24, which is... That's a lot, in my opinion. But what do you got here, AT? This is going to be an awesome game. Um, this game, is it 1 p.m.? I thought it was at 6 p.m. Yeah, it bums me out. Is it at 6 p.m.? Is it 6 p.m. or 1 p.m.? Is, I it hope said it's 1 p.m. on uh, Inside the Cross, but I feel like it's 6 p.m. That's what I saw on ESPN this week. Um I guess we'll keep it at 1 p.m., but I, I, I want to say I thought it was 6 p.m. Anyhow, Ryan, uh, I, I can't wait to watch this battle at the X between Gerard Arcieri and Austin Henningsen. 
uh, two studs that have been trained by two of the best in the business and Matt Schaumburg and Greg Gorenlian. Um, and these guys are, these guys are going to go at it. That is going to be a war. But I think that while our Sierra might end up winning the battle statistically, I do think it's going to be really, really close. So I think that that will be a wash in the game. Colby Kinney's playing really, really well for Penn state coming off of in your face player of the week. Um, but I just think that Maryland has too many weapons on the offensive end and in the midfield for Penn State to be able to handle if Penn State isn't winning 70% of the faceoffs. The fact that they're playing in Maryland, Penn State comes in with the pressure, undefeated. Maryland, you know, has a bad loss in Villanova and, and they've, they've beaten a couple of ranked opponents in Michigan and Maryland. I'm sorry, in Michigan and North Carolina. I think it just sets up poorly for Penn State after beating Ohio State. So I've got Maryland in a very high-scoring game. Uh, I think neither defense is going to be able to stop their other team's offense. i got Maryland in the over in this game. I'm definitely taking Maryland in this one. I, I just don't know. I think Ohio State played that poorly that we still just uh, we just still don't know what team Penn State really is at this point. Um, and I think that Maryland is hitting a lot of cylinders right now. Um, so uh, I've got Maryland minus one and a half. In terms of 24, for whatever reason, I feel like this is going to be a lower scoring game uh, from both teams. And so I'm going to take the under in this one. Uh, between how Maryland likes to play, they match the tempo of the other team. Um, I just don't think Penn State's going to win nearly as many face-offs. I think Henningsen can at least defuse our Siri, uh, which will bring the score down in this one. Uh, so I've got Maryland. I've got the under. But AT, the last piece of the show, as always, the Rock Bottom Bowl. Who is it? There are a couple candidates, but oh, no. I've got to go. How about this? How, how about, how about this, yeah. though? And we didn't mention this with Andy Shea, and we should have. But Andy Shea, his program went from in the Rock Bottom Bowl to now in the conversation of going to the national tournament. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't think that has ever happened on In Your Face Lacrosse. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. But who do you got? For it's candidates? an emotional roller coaster. Um, it really is. Uh, just edging out VMI Jacksonville for the Rock Bottom Bowl this week, Ryan is Manhattan at Siena. Oh. I mean, it is. Kelleher's rock. back in the rock bottom bowl? Kelleher's back in the rock bottom bowl. I mean. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Siena is 0 and 10. 0 and 10. They've gotten, they got beat by 13 by Q's. Lost a one-goal game to Hobart. Seven to Virginia. Five to UMass Lowell. One to St. John's. Five to Binghamton. Five to Bryant. Five to Colgate eight to Monmouth, and four by Detroit Mercy, right? You've got Manhattan at two and eight. They lost to Bryant by seven. They beat Wagner, which was a pretty good win for them, right? They lose to Robert Morris by 10. They beat Hartford by a goal, right? Then they lose by 12 to St. Joe's, three to Delaware, seven to UMass Lowell, three to Detroit Mercy, two to Canisius, and six to Quinnipiac. I am going on Manhattan to get their favorite of the season at Siena, who is cemented at Rock. But I want to see Siena play Dartmouth. 
That would be a great game. <laughs> uh, I, all right, so I'm going to finish this off. I, I, I'm going to take John Svek and Sienna to pull one out here. I don't like to go against uh, my boy Drew Kelleher. He's back in the, the, the rock bottom bowl. Um, it's at Sienna? <laughs> it's in Albany? It's actually at rock bottom. Uh, no, it's in Seattle. <laughs> it's at Sienna. It's at the big-time minor league sports so, town so- of Albany. So Drew Kelleher goes back to his former team as a head coach this time. Um, I, I, I actually think he wins it, but just for the sake of picking against you in the rock bottom ball, which we've tried to do, I'm going to pick John Parker Speck and G Sienna. Is, Parker but, G is going to score five Gs. He probably is. He probably is. That is it for the show. Can't believe we got it all in. Uh, we're about 30 minutes over time, but it doesn't matter. We had a hijack by Andy, uh, Andy Shea, which, yes. has been, which was awesome. Uh, we talked a lot about Tawartons. We talked about um, you know pretenders and who wants at least. Of course, we got our picks in. Uh, as always, you can check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, at In Your Face Lacks. Thank you to our sponsors, Sisu Mouthguards, uh, and of course our producers at Lax All Stars. And again, a thank you as always to our friends at Lax Vegas Lines for providing us the first look at the lines for the weekend. Uh, check those guys out as well. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend of lacrosse, and we will be back next Wednesday, 9 a.m., for yet another In Your Face podcast. Thank you for the listen, and uh, looking forward to this weekend's lacrosse. Have a great day. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouth guards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouth guards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink.